I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Ice Sport Radio. It's Broad Street Hockey's Rest of the League show where we take a look around the league and talk to you about everything that isn't Flyers. Of course, the Flyers come up now and then. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, we have no Steph tonight, but we are rejoined by Charlie O'Connor after his absence on BSH Radio last night. Yay. How are you today, Charlie? Hey, everybody. I'm back, and it's good to be back. Um, so, yeah, yeah, the road trip was fun. It's now over. I'm now back in Philly for quite a while. Uh, so to kind of uh, go with what you were saying, with we're going to talk about things that aren't the Flyers. Uh, remember when we were all kind of skeptical a few months ago because Ryan O'Reilly, he had said that he was like, actually admitting he was sick of losing all the time in Buffalo and was like getting burnout on hockey and stuff. We were all like, wow, that's kind of a weird thing for someone to say. Well, he got traded and now he has 19 points in 13 games to start the year. So granted St. Louis, they're not very fun either. I guess it's more fun than Buffalo, even though St. Louis isn't playing very well, but it's probably important for us to remember that like, even though these guys are super wealthy hockey players that are the best at their jobs around that, like, there's still people, and they can grow to hate their jobs, too, and it can make their work suffer as a result because it seems like Ryan O'Reilly is much happier now in a new place, and he's playing a lot better hockey. And it's not like, uh, let's not, uh, I don't want to make it out like St. Louis is some paradise, but he doesn't have to live in Buffalo anymore. <laughs> and hey, I hey, that, hey. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not, Kelly. A, it's not a bad town. Yeah. Kelly's I'm like, it's close, it, it's close to Canada, it's so just, Kelly likes it. If you're going to live in Buffalo, just live in Toronto. Like, that's well, the thing. If you have millions of dollars, that's a fine idea. <laughs> you can live in <laughs> Buffalo for like right $20. There. <laughs> that's true. I did have to stop in Buffalo en route to Toronto. I was like, oh, this is a cute little suburb. That voice you just heard is Kelly Hinkle. Yeah, so Charlie's hot take just reminded me that this entire show is probably going to be about hockey players who really, really hate their jobs. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, last week I was irrationally annoyed by Elias Pettersson being good and everyone talking about him. And this week, I'm irrationally annoyed by the idea that the Carolina Hurricanes of all teams might end up with William Nylander. That just annoying. bothers me. I don't like it. I want him to be in like a big market that's fun. And Carolina is neither of those things. Well, they might end up being in a big market if they move in a couple of years. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> the Quebec Hurricanes you know will be in a big market. I like the Hurricanes, man. I remember when they were in that, uh, not even the Stanley Cup they won. When they are in the one they lost to Detroit, uh, like, that was a fun town. You had those two dudes in the Dumb and Dumber tuxes who were dancing at every game. They got into it. Like, it's not their fault their team has sucked for a decade. I you know, You know what with my thing with Carolina is? I don't actively hate them. But, and I think I've said this on a show we've done a couple weeks ago, I will be really mad if they get good before the Flyers do. All right, that's a fair... I, I will be very, very angry about this because, Same. like, they shouldn't get good before the Flyers do, considering that, all the a... like all the financial advantages the Flyers have over them. If they become a contender before Philadelphia, then Philadelphia really screwed up. Jesus. God damn it, Charlie. <laughs> oh. Now I'm just thinking, like, that's exactly what's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, who could all imagine right. that happening? 
So we are going to kick it off tonight with the, uh, well, with that Ottawa Senators Uber video. And we have the coaches getting fired and some other stuff. We'll get to all the big news, but, I mean, how do you not start with this, uh, the, the video of Thomas Chabot, Dylan DeMello, Matt Duchesne, Alex Formenton, Chris Tierney, Colin White, and Chris Weidman just talking shit. Just talking a bunch of shit in an Uber and getting uh, being recorded. It gets released. The Ottawa Sun reports on it, and we have uh, just a we have a real controversy on our hands here. First of all, what did you think? What did you think of it getting released? What was your initial reaction to the story? So I mentioned this um, last night on our regular show, but I think like the. Because I think that kind, I think that people who don't really know how an NHL hockey team functions at like a super granular granular level might think that like for example, Claude Drew is super good at hockey, right? He knows what he's doing out on the ice. So if Ian Laperriere tells him to do stupid things on the penalty kill, well, Claude, you know what you're doing. Just do something better. But I think that like the big takeaway from that video for me was that even if these guys completely understand how stupid a coach's scheme is they gotta do it and so we're stuck with some shitty hockey on the ice because of a coach even though the players are good so that's one of those that's actually that's a very that's a very reasoned and like well thought out take there kelly just in terms of the whole thing that's my brand william because i think (laughs) i think i even fall into that sometimes believe it or not where i might overreact to stuff when i'm like just go make a goddamn play I've like, never well, seen you overreact a yeah. single time in my life. <laughs> here's here's all these NHL players who are like, hey man, we know that they're coming through the neutral zone hard as shit with so much speed and we're all flat-footed and that's what we're being told to do, so of course our penalty kill is even worse than the Flyers. They were better than the Flyers when the video was recorded, though. Yeah, they actually mentioned the Flyers in the video, right? Yeah. It's like, Which oh yeah, they're, they're, we're better than ahead of we're ahead of the Philadelphia and Carolina. Like, oh Christ, yeah, the the Flyers do make an appearance in the video. If if you're making an appearance in the video where they're ripping their own penalty kill, and it's like, well, we're at least better than them. Like, oh my, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I I feel bad for these players. I really do because to be yeah. quite honest with you, like, like not even let, let's get aside from hockey for a second. Yeah, everyone has done this about their jobs. Everyone. Yep. As you know, whether it's a cab, whether it's you're sitting with your friends drinking at a bar, whether you're hanging out at somebody's house, like this is just what people do. They bitch about their bosses. That's what happens. And these guys just happen to be unlucky enough to be stuck in a cab in the one state that allows like you to record these videos legally. Yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those uh, single party states. Yeah, so yeah. you you only have to have one end of the one half of the people have to know they're being recorded, you, you know, the people you're recording. So it's, like, technically not illegal. And I get why an Uber driver would want to maybe record his his goings-on, you know, for his own safety and legal purposes. Sure, sure. Uh, and shit can happen. You're in a transitional business, and there's, there's no management, there's no oversight. It's just the driver and whatever random stranger calls for, a, calls for a, an Uber, you know? I get it. I was real pissed about the release at first, and I still kind of am because I just hate that this is society. Like, I get that the players need to be smarter and maybe don't you – know, wait till you get to the hotel room. Yeah, yeah. Wait till you're at the bar. Like, when you go to the Uber driver and say, yes, hello, my name is Matt Duchesne. I play for the Ottawa Senators Hockey Club. Here is what I think about my coach. <laughs> this is like – like, 
I, I joked on the show, I don't know if, last night, Charlie, I don't know if you've heard it yet. I said, I bet you they leaked this themselves in hopes they'd get traded. No, I, my thought, and I, I think I said this on in Slack yesterday, like, I don't know what the mechanism, like, how this happened was. My thought was that, and apparently, like, this guy was tweeting it at reporters, so I guess this yeah, wasn't the Yeah, he was, case. like, sending it just yeah. at reporters, and then eventually the Sun wrote about it. Yeah, eventually they picked it up. My first thought was that this guy was trying to extort the Senators. Yeah. And, and Kelly, in, in a great response, Kelly was like, yeah, that's the one team you just don't even bother trying to extort because they're not going <laughs> to pay you shit for it. So then, like, because they were trying to extort the Senators, the Senators were like, well, screw it. We'll just leak the thing anyway. And, yeah. you know, then, then you can't ask for any money at all. But, yeah, it just seems like it was out there. And finally, the, the Ottawa Sun just said, well, screw it. This is newsworthy. We're going to publish it. And that, like, I felt – and that's what, uh, like, I – I felt bad that it got leaked and everything, but then I was like, I'm part of the problem. Like, I absolutely watched it immediately. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, all these celebrities' iClouds got hacked. I'm like, oh, that's shitty. It's like, oh, yeah, well, Jennifer Lawrence is naked. I'm like, well. <laughs> like, it's I just kind of. <laughs> well, maybe don't admit all of these things. On the podcast, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, like nobody else looked. I looked, actually. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. But, like. I will say that the one thing that I'm kind of happy to see is, like, when this first leaked, I kind of expected that, like, all of the 200 hockey men would be just, like, completely trashing these guys for, you know, talking shit about their coach and and not being team players and all that kind of stuff. But it has been kind of nice to see that mostly everyone who's commented on this is like, yeah, everybody's done this, and it's shitty that it was recorded, and it shouldn't have been released, and these guys didn't do anything wrong. So at least there's that. Yeah, I guess this they is do. One, this is like one of the benefits. There's a lot of negatives of having the 200 hockey men, and the fact that probably 80 to 90 percent of the 200 hockey men also played hockey. There's a lot of negatives to that. But one of the positives is that like every one of those hockey men that isn't a total freaking hypocrite knows that they had did this exact same thing in Cavs when they were playing. Like they oh, they, yeah. they know they they remember doing it, or maybe they don't remember if they were blackout drunk, but like they know they've done it. <laughs> uh, that was I love the. Uh... Charlie, were you there for the uh, for the Jake tirade today? I was not. I think Borak got him by himself. Okay, okay, yeah. J- Jake uh, J- Voracek, who, y- if you get him going, he has a lot to say about a lot of shit. Yeah. He, uh, he. There are some interesting quotes. Look them up. He was he was very much on the player's side here, as you expect. But some fun stuff out of Jake, and it's kind of uh, proof. Like, yes, everyone has done this. And I guarantee you the flyers do too. Oh, um, considering their penalty kill, there's no yeah. way they don't do it. <laughs> like, that's what I would love to know is Le Perrier just sitting there like, Oh Jesus, we're getting like, somehow oh, we're getting drug into this. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that there would be a bit of embarrassment on the part of the team, but they don't seem to care that their penalty kills terrible. So I guess probably not. I mean, visually it, it looks better. Uh, visually it looks better uh did anybody see the i i have it linked here uh an instagram photo of it did anyone see the scoreboard in the ottawa game last night uber is a is a corporate sponsor for the senators and so their shit is all over the building there's like a great photo of the scoreboard with big uber logos on it i was like oh that's a little awkward no this is like it a whole is, thing. It is a little awkward. Yeah, and this it's is also a whole like, thing. It's so senators. Like it's so yes. of like the senators moment right now that they would be completely screwed by one of their corporate sponsors. No, that's the other thing is if this happens to the Dallas Stars, no one gives a shit. 
<laughs> but like, it's the tire fire organization that we can't stop making fun of, and we have another one. We just have another thing to talk about with the Senators. Uh, but there are like there are individual players involved, and one of them, Matt Duchesne, is a pending free agent. So is Dennis Wideman, but no one cares. And the coach, Martin Raymond, I guess his contract's up after this year. But Matt Duchesne, like, I know everyone is saying all the right things publicly, but does this give management maybe pause in terms of you know, potential free agent suitors? Do you think it affects his value at all? I, I don't think it affects his value. I do think, though, that I feel like if there's one guy that might get like some actual like that might get actual criticism from the coaching staff for this it's Duchesne because yeah. like the kids like Thomas mm-hmm. Shabbat like he's a, he's basically a rookie like he's not gonna know but like for for somebody like Matt Duchesne they just might be like dude just don't say this shit in a cab like yeah. if, if, if you're with your younger teammates and they they start this like it's kind of on you to be like guys shut up so yep. to me, like, no, I don't think it's going to hurt his value, but I do think that, like, the, the higher-ups in Ottawa, if they blame this on anybody, it's going to be on Duchesne. It's like, dude, yeah. you, you just have to know better. You just, you have to. And also, and then, like, sorry, yeah, Bill. Probably. I was just going to say, like, as, just to add on to what Charlie said, like, Duchesne coming into Ottawa already had kind of a reputation as, like, a kind of a shitty guy to play with. Like, people got pissed at him that he essentially quit on the avalanche, and now there's this. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's going to affect his value either. But I. I don't think it's going to help it at all. Yeah, I don't see him. I don't see him wearing a letter on his sweater wherever he ends up. Um, I will like. I. I have talked to a couple people who have more contacts in the league than I do. And while everyone is saying the right things publicly, like this is shitty, there is an element of like guys. You gotta, like, I realize that it's not cool that this is the society we live in now, but even if it's not a guy in an Uber, like, if you're just talking shit at the end of the bar, you know, I'm a podcast host who might just be at that bar, I'm absolutely taken out myself. Now, like, I don't think I would do it, but... Somebody might, yeah. Someone will, Yeah. you know, someone will. No, you, you want to lean on the veterans and the leadership on your team to just, like, when the kids start doing stupid shit... You just can be like, hey, don't do that. And and that could be everything from like, hey, Travis Konechny is too drunk at the bar and getting obnoxious. And, yeah. and Wayne Simmons has to go up to him and be like, yo, dude, go home. You're being stupid. Or it could be something like this where you're just like spouting off about the team in a public place. And the veteran's like, hey, kid, you got to stop. If you, if you want to do this, like call your girlfriend at the hotel and, and spout off there. Yeah. That was, um, oh, damn it. I forget what I was going to say. That Part of it was that like. Some trying to make them more victims than they were, like uh, that part I had to laugh at. Oh, they're uh, they're doing the right thing, getting in an Uber after they've had a couple of drinks. I'm like, okay, <laughs> guys, all right. I guess Ryan, uh, at least Ryan O'Reilly wasn't involved in this. I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> watch out for your every Tim Hortons got to be on uh got to be on watch when Ryan O'Reilly's down. You got to get the reinforced barricades in front of the Hortons when uh when Ryan O'Reilly comes into town. All right, guys, I guess we can move on from this. Uh, trying to think. No, there's nothing else. Let's get to, the, I guess, the biggest story, other than that hilariousness, is Joel Quenville, man. Joel Quenville. Um, out in Chicago. Three cups. 
not quite near this success the last, I guess, three years recently. They started out hot this year and have since fallen off. I just... There's no leeway for anybody in this league any, anymore, huh? Well, well, actually. There <laughs> to be some. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't... I have admitted several times that I don't pay enough attention to the Western Conference during the regular season. So I'm not entirely sure if this is something that people saw coming um, or if this was kind of out of nowhere. I'm talking to a guy f- about, you know, Saturday's game tomorrow. So I'm interested to hear from, like, a fan's perspective if they expected this to happen, but um, it surprised me. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the the guy who I kind of view as, like, the... I, I'm, I'm not to say there aren't other good writers that cover the Blackhawks, but I sort of view Mark Lazarus as kind of, like, the authority on the Blackhawks. Yeah. Like, And I don't say that just because he works for my company. Like, I would have said that even before he joined the Athletic. Like, he just, he just knows. Like, the guy's just plugged in. He knows the beat. He knows the team. And he wrote a really interesting article about it, like, the day it happened, and he basically explained that, like... Quenville and Stan Bowman, the GM, have kind of been like in a like opens like a kind of like a going between a hot and a cold war for the better part of six years. And yeah. and like, since it was working, yeah, you know, it, they it, just it, dealt it all, with each other. Yeah, but like they didn't really like each other. Mm-hmm. And this was just the opportunity for Bowman finally to like get rid of Q, who he has not gotten along with for a while, and bring in his guy. Mm, so in that sense, it makes more sense because yeah, yeah it does. Like, you would think that. You know, a guy that's won multiple cups and is kind of an institution in Chicago would sort of have, like, an insane amount of job security. But if you actually understood the dynamics of the situation, it wasn't nearly that to that degree. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, and that, and that does make it a little bit more logical, I guess. I guess the the thing in, in Friedman's 31 Thoughts I read, I, it came out, you know, yesterday, and he just, you know, has his pieces on everything. But there was just one sentence... Quenville's firing is the beginning of the dismantling of the Blackhawks dynasty. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, Isn't that, that delightful? That came and went so fast. Like, the Blackhawks are what they were. I realize everyone hates them. I enjoyed watching them in the playoffs for a few years. They played a, a brand of hockey I liked watching for a little while. Uh, they got old. That happens. They, you know, they built, they tore the thing down and built it back up after 2010. And that was, that was cool to see. But... It's over for them now. They still have, uh, you know, Kane and Taves and Sod there. So I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you say it happens so fast. Like I don't, I don't know if it really did. Like at least, especially, it, it feels like it does because, like, we're in it. We we we've seen the beginning. We've seen the end of 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 this dynasty. But like, what they started getting really good, probably like two thousand eight. 2009 and this is like 10 years so they had a 10 year run of being really good like i feel like that's probably not that much different than like you know the avalanche with sakic and forsberg the the stars with madonna and hitchcock like that's probably about as long as those teams had the only team i can think of that had a longer run was the red wings in my lifetime like they were probably good for about 20 years yeah and they just had like two eras but up against each other like they they had they had the you know they had bowman and eiserman and then they had you know babcock and datsuk and zetterberg they basically like even even the 80s oilers what were they like 83 to 90 so i guess yeah yeah like this is about 10 years is about how long this this lasts i feel like unless you can sort of do what the red wings did which is you know replace a core with another core that's just as good and like find three dudes from the fourth line or later who are like borderline hall of fame yeah exactly so 10 10 years is a long time and this is around the time where it's probably got to end right 
So, like, one of the things I was thinking about, um, and I don't know if I'm correct in my analysis, but, like, obviously a coach is going to lose his job before a general manager in almost every situation. Um, but I would, I would, if I'm looking at the Blackhawks organization and how quickly they've fallen off the cliff, so to speak, it's mostly Bowman's fault. Like, he's kind of handicapped them with some big contracts are not looking as great as they did um, when yeah. they signed them. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if Bowman's on any kind of hot seat. Probably not. But you know, it's more him than Quenville. But and he's kind obviously. of made, he's made some crappy trades. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he probably. You know how we joke about how, um, like, how Columbus lost uh, both Jeff Carter trades. Yeah. Well, one thing that's interesting, and maybe this is like karma coming back around for them, they probably won both Brandon Saad trades. Yeah. Because yeah. they traded Anisimov for Saad, and Saad was good in Columbus, and Anisimov was just always just been okay in Chicago. And then they obviously won the Saad for Panarin deal when they got that back. So um so he's had like Bowman's had some pretty bad deals that have that have sort of helped to to kind of put them in their situation like if they still have Panarin are they are they this bad I don't think so yeah probably not uh and that's when you get into you know I understand wanting to give Jonathan Taves the 10 and a half but he's not a 10.5 player you know he just isn't Uh, he's important to them and he's absolutely captain them to three cups but just not worth the money and i will say like as good of a coach as quenville is every coach's time comes when they stop listening sometimes it just ends and you got to move on and the whole everyone needs a reset and wherever he goes i bet you he has success and i bet you the blackhawks are better than they were for the last year and a half under him um there's this one piece I, they're talk. They're calling it the straw that like broke the camel's back with Quenville. I just wanted to get to because I have never heard of such a thing happening. The Blackhawks did not put a player in the penalty box for the ejected Duncan Keith last Saturday night in Calgary, and were caught killing an extra minute forty-seven when there was no whistle as the five minutes expired. I have never heard of such a thing. That's wild. That's yeah, crazy. I, I mean, that, that had to have just been... Was that just a brain fart? Or do they want to have extra players for the five minutes and then there just wasn't a stoppage? Because, like, the latter, I guess, like, it, it's incredibly stupid, but I could sort of see why they might think it's smart. But it's got to... It had to have just been a brain fart, right? Like, some nobody went in. Who would want extra players, Charlie? I... <laughs> the coach in Philadelphia makes sure we don't have enough players ever. <laughs> I'm surprised that, like... The Flyers. I'm surprised the on-ice officials didn't make them put someone in there. I, I never, it never occurred to me that that was, like, optional. I, mean, I, I guess, guess it's, it, it's not their responsibility to keep a coach from fucking up, right? No, I guess, I guess. not. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just thought, like, play couldn't go on. And, like, if, and maybe if the period ended and the penalty happened and then, like, it carried over to the next period. I'm, like, trying to figure out what the circumstance was. To allow this to happen, it, I just, I've just never heard of it. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean... I can imagine there being a situation where obviously the guy gets ejected, so he can't go in the penalty yeah. box, and just no one. F- I mean, why? Why are there too many men on the ice penalties? Because someone had a brain mm-hmm. fart, yeah. and I guess this is just that on a much larger scale. Yeah. So, uh, just where do you think he ends up? Do you I think he just, coaches? Yeah, I was going to ask that question. He coach? Do you think he coaches this year? Does he sit out? Does he get a job right away? What do you think happens? I could see him sitting out this season and waiting for the off season maybe 
coaching purge that could happen. I'm wishfully thinking right now. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, he's going to get paid anyway, so why not take a little vacay? Yeah, exactly. Like, that to me makes the most sense is why not? You know, why not just chill and, you know, watch some games around the league, see which teams, you know, might be more intriguing to him from a from a talent standpoint and from an organizational standpoint and just wait and see like it's not as if this guy is when he when he says he wants to come back it's not like he's going to be lacking suitors oh yeah it's like gonna, I, it's, I would yeah, imagine like more than one Trotz. team yeah i would imagine more than one team is going to want him and it's i've read that it's not a situation where another team can just pay him a dollar and chicago has to keep paying him part of the reason they fired him was like yeah if we're not going to be a playoff team we're not going to pay a coach six million bucks so uh, he's going to get another job because he's Joel Quenville. Let's let's just let him go, and someone else will be able to pay him, and we can pay you know this this other coach whatever you know nothing close to what Quenville makes. I would love to see him end up in St. Louis, just because I think that's fun when guys end up with team, their team's rivals. And we'll get to St. Louis in a little bit. Uh, I'm finding them, man. Of all the teams that are disappointing this year, if they miss the playoffs, major disappointment. I would think. John Stevens out in L.A. as well. I mean, we saw it coming. We've talked about it a little. Everyone kind of thought he was going to be, like, if you were to put money on the first coach fired this year, everyone was thinking maybe John Stevens. Yeah, he was one of them. Um, I think I was, I think I bet on, I mean, I didn't bet. I didn't put money on it, but this was like our preseason prediction. I picked uh, uh, McClellan in Edmonton. But he didn't do it. He wasn't wasn't the first one. Uh, but yeah, I think Stevens was a guy who, especially once LA got off to that slow start, that people just figured he might be uh, might be on the way out. Yeah, I I just think he's a better assistant coach than a head coach. Um, so that, I'm actually surprised he lasted as long as he did. That seems to be the consensus that he's a better assistant than he is a head coach. But you know what? I think I was a little harsh on John Stevens last night. And I want to talk about him for a second here. Stevens is only 50, 52 years old. He's going to hang around in this league, get an assistant's job whenever he wants one. I have to believe he's going to get another jo- another shot at some point. He did a good job here uh, in Philadelphia. He had some very talented but very immature players on his hands. Uh, he took over that 22-60 and 60 team, got them to the Eastern Conference Final the very next year, got uh, got to the playoffs You know, the next year, ran into the Penguins, that's what happens, and then got off to a slower start than expected in 09-10 and was out the door before he really had a chance to turn that around. And if you remember that year, the team was expected to compete for the Stanley Cup while depending on a returning Ray Emery uh, after a year in the KHL and Brian Boucher at 33 in his second of three stints in Philly. So, like, I don't know. He had a de- he had a good team, but obviously this is a slow-starting just franchise no matter who the freaking players are. And as great of a coach as Laviolette was and is, the team blew up within a year and a half of him taking over. So I'd have to say he did pretty well with a dis- dysfunctional group. He got to the playoffs with a team in L.A. that was how good, really? Quick, Kopitar, and Brown were all good for the Kings last year, so they got in the playoffs. They're basically the Flyers. Like, I, I, you know, Tanner Pearson has no goals for that team this year. How much can you really blame on John Stevens? What I'm saying is, I don't think we can definitively say Stevens isn't a good coach. He's had three full seasons as a coach, and he's made the playoffs in all of them. So, I, I 
personally. I mean, I, I don't think I'd want John Stevens head coaching my team if I had my choice. That said, I think that particularly by Flyers fans, he doesn't get enough respect. He's He was an excellent coach for young players, as you kind of pointed out. He was great with the Phantoms. And when he came up to a Flyers team that was primarily made up of younger guys, I think that he helped them get a bit better than they were without him. I think he's an excellent coach for young players. So having him around as an assistant, I would really like, especially on a team like the Flyers, who's hopefully skewing younger. Um, but yeah, I don't. I I think that there's a lot of disrespect thrown at John Stevens, but I I think he's not as bad as people want him to be. Yeah, I'm. Um... I don't think he's a horrible coach. I just think I, I feel like Bill, you've mentioned this a couple times about how like co- a lot of coaches are just interchangeable. Yeah, that's sort of what I view with John Stevens. Like, if you give him a great team, I don't think he's going to screw it up. But if you give him a bad team, it's going to be bad. And if you give him a mediocre team, it's going to be mediocre. Like, I just don't think he moves the needle much. Um, and with regards to his his work with young players, like, I think he. I think he built a strong rapport with them. I think yeah. they yeah, like which him. I think is important. That's important. However, I also think, from what I understand, he kind of lets them run over him. So I, I I don't know. Like yeah, he's popular with them, but I don't know if being popular with young players as a as a head coach is necessarily the best move. Like as an assistant well, coach, yeah. I think it is. As a head coach, I don't know if I want all the young players loving a head coach because I yeah. want the head coach to push them. No, and I, well, I I feel like in Philly that was a function of the fact that he was a player before he coached the Phantoms, and sure. there were quite a few guys on that roster that he had played with. Sure. Um. So I, I'm sure it was a difficult adjustment for them to go from teammate to boss, essentially. Um. But yeah, I, you're essentially a, we agreeing here that I don't think yeah. he's a a good head coaching choice. But if he wanted to come coach the Flyers penalty kill, I'd be all over it. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd take him over and Laperriere here any any day of the week. Yeah, uh, just just kind of just, just kind of to jump in here with the LA situation because like this is the he as I said I think he's kind of just a mediocre coach, but the LA roster is not good. No, I, I, it's just it, it's it's unbelievably slow, and you're watching the the NHL yeah. is only getting faster by the day, and this LA team like yeah they could do it when they had Kopitar in his prime and they had everybody in their prime and they were just deep from top to bottom they're not like that anymore and they can't play this slow it down style and they're in a weird situation with their coach like they hired Willie Desjardins who uh was Vancouver's coach before yeah but I was talking to, to somebody at the um at the at the Arizona game a couple days ago and they were saying that they were really stuck with regards to who they could hire. Like this is why, because you know how it was reported that the they they, they decided they were going to fire him after the Flyers game, but they didn't yeah. fire him until after a win, and it was just this weird gap. Apparently, the reason why it took extra days was because they reached out to a bunch of coaches, and a bunch of coaches turned them down because they were only willing to hire someone on an interim basis because they are still paying Daryl Sutter. Yep. Oh, man. So they're still paying Daryl Sutter. They're still paying John Stevens. And it's like, welp, we can't hire a third guy as the like the actual coach and take the risk that we might need to let him go at the end of the year. So they were only willing to go interim. And a lot of the big names that they went after as an interim were like, well, no, I'm not 
signing isn't entering him. Like, if you're hiring me, you're hiring me. So they kind of just, like, slowly went down the list and got to Willie Desjardins, who was like, sure, I'll do interim. Yeah, That's and, super interesting. Yeah, it's it's one of those, you would think, like, oh, they're the LA Kings, they have unlimited money. Yeah, You say that until you're paying two coaches not to coach. You know? Like, you, you get to a certain point where it's, you know, how, how many guys are we going to have on the books just paying yeah, to exactly. do nothing? <laughs> exactly. Now, if you're the Flyers, it doesn't matter. But every other well, you're paying Ilya Brzezgov until 2029. Yeah, so. forever. He earns every I, penny of that money, fam. I can't wait. I can't wait for Travis's piece to publish. I actually find it especially funny that he just he didn't go back to Russia. That like he still lives he in the area. Here. Yeah, he's just like like I'm sure he's doing it just because he he likes living here. Like his yeah. kids grew are growing up here. But it almost feels like a like just like a constant jabbing in their side. Like I'm still here and you're still paying me. I'm yeah, right like, across the river. <laughs> yep. And he goes to games and yeah. he like goes and sees Evgeny Kuznetsov. You know, you like see Briz in the hallway. Yeah. When you're yeah. walking to the media room and you're like, oh, that's funny. He still <laughs> he still got his key, huh? <laughs> like, it's just good shit. Uh, I said we were going to talk about the Blues, and it's just because the Blues, man, what a weird team. <laughs> like they're God, I've so... had enough of them. I, yeah, but, like, Bo Meester was a healthy scratch for the first time in his career two weeks ago, and an, uh, an injury, like, immediately ended that. He was back in the lineup, but now he's back in the press box again. They beat the Hurricanes 4-1 to on Monday night. Robbie Fabry is back, so maybe everything's okay. But, man, I, re- I reference Friedman all the time, but there's one thing. He keeps this November 1st stat. Yeah. Since 0405, just seven of 54 teams, at least four points out of a playoff spot, following games on that date, have, recorded, have recovered to reach the postseason. Uh, this year, there are five contenders, Detroit, Florida, L.A., St. Louis, and Vegas. Blues are 5-5-3, five, five, five 13 points in 13 games. It's very early. But if they're one of those teams that doesn't recover, man, they are spending a ton of money. They make big moves every year. They went out and got Shen last year, went out and got Ryan O'Reilly this year. Man, what a disappointment missing the playoffs would be for them. It's every friggin' year with this team. Every year at the start of the year, I hear about how good the Blues are going to be, and this is the year they're going to make some noise, and then they never do. I'm just tired of them. I mean, this year they they added a lot of players. I think that was why there was this was this year felt different. Like they added O'Reilly, who as yeah. we, as I said, is having a very good year. He's they added it, Tyler yeah. Bozak. They brought David Perron back. Um, they brought Pat Maroon back on like a ridiculously cheap deal, considering the fact he's a useful player. Yeah, he hasn't scored a goal yet. Yeah, there you go. And they had some young kids coming up. Like they had uh, the 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 Carlos Santana smooth guy, uh, Rob Thomas. Robert Thomas, the prospect, <laughs> who they should definitely play smooth every time he scores. Like yeah, he was yeah, coming up, time. and there are some people who think he's like a better prospect than Morgan Frost, and he made the he made the team. Like there were expectations because these guys seemed like they were adding a lot of talent, and like I haven't looked too deep into their numbers, but there's there's a part of me that re- that reminds this team reminds me a little bit of that 2010 Flyers team where it's like okay their goalies suck and they probably need a coaching change and if they if they can somehow dig up like a Michael Layton on the scrap heap to give them okay goaltending and get a better coach maybe they could turn things around because the talent is there like they they are a pretty loaded team especially up front I wonder if they'd be interested in a slightly used Michael Neuer there we go do you think got they great want, numbers you, when he plays fam do you think they want Brian Elliott back? 
<laughs> I don't think they want Brian Elliott. No, not, uh, not to say I'm, I'm sure they don't dislike Brian Elliott. I just assume they're like, well, that ship sailed. Yeah, that's the thing about their goaltending is like I was reading like Jake Allen. You look at his numbers, dude, just isn't getting it done. Yeah, he's just. Uh, and then Chad Johnson started on Monday, played well. He's only had two starts for some reason. It's like, all right, well, your one goalie stinks, and Chad Johnson not exactly, not exactly Patrick Waugh, but when you get a guy giving you the performance, maybe start him more than once. Like, I don't know. Wild idea, William. It just, I, I don't get what they're doing over there. And when you like, I, I, I pick the Blues every year, and this year I didn't. And I just thought, well, of course, you know, the year I don't, they're going to do something, and they nope. are not doing something. And I don't, I just, they seem to have so much more talent. I would be really pissed if this was my team. Yeah. Every year they have more talent than they play up But they to. added even more I this know. year. <laughs> they really could use another defenseman because, like, it actually, in a weird way, it's kind of a, it's kind of progress for them that they've acknowledged that Jay Boomeister sucks now. Because he really sucks now. And his underlying numbers for the last two or three years have been, like, ridiculously awful. And they're finally, in the final year of his contract, realizing that, yeah, he sucks. But I feel like because he's on the roster and because he's a name that everyone knows, people just sort of looked at that defense. And they're like, oh, yeah, the defense is good. They've got Petrangelo, who's good. They've got Colton Pareko, who's good. And they've got Bomeister, whose name I know. It's yeah. like, well, no, Bo Meester actually sucks now. So really, they have two good defensemen, one defenseman who used to be good and now is bad, and okay. then a bunch of no-namers. You want to talk about guys I was in love with. Jay Bo Meester. Jay Bo equals cup. Oh, my God. <laughs> there were quite a few Flyers fans who were obsessed with him at that time. I was, all over the, I was all over the message boards talking about just preaching the word of Jay Bo Meester, basically. That was 07, 08, 09 Bill Matz. That's what he was up to. Gotcha. <laughs> so ESPN did another one of those roundtables where they just talked to some of the biggest names in the game. And uh, I know, again, as people, as hockey people, we kind of see ESPN and go, oh, yeah, good. But since Wish took over, I would say their coverage has been pretty decent. Uh, and things like this. I usually have no times for no time for player quotes or anything, but this is the kind of shit where players get to show some personality and uh, like just say what they think about things. You know, we got the uh, this one no different uh, things that came up like what kind of new awards would you like to see, and just some interesting uh, like Claude Giroux. He wants to see a best blooper award, and like, <laughs> that dude. He just, I guarantee you, he gets home from work and watches sports bloopers. Like, that's how he unwinds. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> I can see it. He I cracks a Molson and sits there and watches sports bloopers and laughs his ass off. Like, that's what I see from him. But just like guys talking about a best guy award. Just go around the league and ask who the best guy is. And the, all the Canadians love it. Oh, yeah, like, he's a he's a good guy, eh? <laughs> the, best, the best boy award. Yes. Who is the best boy? I love it. I love it. Like, it's like, not even a guy who's good. Just a, a good guy. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's see, The see, Andrew I, McDonald award. Yeah, see, like, my only concern there is that, <laughs> like, they might be dumb enough to, like, give the best guy award to someone who, like, has been accused of sexual assault or something. Oh, I'm just God. saying. Yeah. You know who would get the first one. 88. Oh, God. You Jesus absolutely Christ. know. Like, oh, yeah, you know who the comeback player of the year is? Slava Voinov. <laughs> oh, God. That's, no. 
that's the kind of shit that we'd be dealing with. And that's what I wanted to ask. Like, should players have more say in awards voting? Because, Charlie, we've talked about this. With things like the Lady Bing, like, the writers just don't know. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've I've said that the refs. I'd let the refs vote there on the Lady go. Bing. To me, like, and somebody responded with like, "Well, no, you can't do that because the refs then would be biased." Like, you don't think the refs are already biased? Like, yeah, man. On, like, everyone's ask biased. Gudas. They're definitely biased. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. The refs are biased. It it just it just is. Like, if Zach Ronaldo steps on the ice, guess who they're watching? You know, like when Sidney Crosby's out there and he grabs someone's stick, that guy's getting called for a hook. It's just human nature. It's the way it goes. But I, I wouldn't be opposed, like, if we're going, if, if we're really saying, like, okay, we can't have the refs vote on Lady Bing, like, I'd be okay with the players voting. Yeah. Like, the players will have a better read than the, than the writers will. Like, that's the one award we write, we, we vote on. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to, I literally, what I do is I look and see which defensemen have the least amount of penalty minutes. Because my thought process is, like, defensemen take a lot of penalties. So if there's a defenseman who never takes penalties, given all the opportunities he has to take penalties, he's probably a pretty gentlemanly player. Seems like a solid way to do it. That's like, I, would love, I, don't, like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, like, like Ryan O'Reilly always gets a ton of those votes because he never takes penalties. But, like, mm-hmm. maybe he's a total shit on the ice. He just doesn't take penalties. Like, maybe he's constantly chirping at people in their ears and stuff, but, like, he just doesn't take penalties. So we all think he's this gentlemanly player, and the players, every time they see it, they're like, why the hell do they think he's a gentlemanly player? The guy's an asshole. Also, yeah, like, can we just acknowledge that the Lady Bing is a stupid award? It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an award, so, you know, it's, like, yeah... I, you never know, like, guys who are just constant butt-enders behind the play, like, don't always get caught. Like, I yeah. would love, like, getting the players to actually say, no, man, like, Danny Briere slashes me every shift. Like, I would love to, I would just love to actually get some of that. Um, Charlie, are the Islanders for real? Because Dan no. Rosen thinks they might be. No, they're not. They're, they're not even, they're not. And, and I, I so, so I actually, I know Dan, and he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I 100% disagree with them on this one. <laughs> no, yeah, Dan's I, cool. I, I like Dan. When I saw this, I was like, wait, what? What <laughs> is he talking about? They're definitely not actually good. But he makes some solid points. They're 6-0 and against divisional opponents with two wins against the Pittsburgh Penguins and Carolina Hurricanes, one each against the Devils and Flyers. Uh, they just uh, they just blew out the Devils the other night. They've, I mean... I, I don't think they're the worst. I, I I think on this show I had said that uh, I thought they were going to be better than people thought because I have a lot of respect for Trotz as a coach, and I still hold to that. Like I think that Trotz will get the most out of this roster, and I think that's probably what's happening now. Is that you know in the beginning of the season, a lot of teams are still figuring shit out. Cough the Flyers, but like. Trotz is a good enough coach, and he's he gets his teams playing structured hockey very quickly. Like the Capitals always get off, to, always got off to good starts with Trotz. Like he just he's a smart coach who gets his players to buy into a system quickly, and I think that really helps in the beginning of the year yeah. when most teams are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And you got this team, which isn't very good, but they're at least in the right spot most of the time, and that gives them the advantage over the teams that are just basically playing themselves into their systems. Do you think there's a chance that this could be like the Devils last year where for the whole season we're like, they're not this good, and then they just keep doing it? I, I mean, maybe. Like, I guess if anything's possible. Like, look at Vegas last year. But go, going to their advanced metrics at 5-on-5, five five, 
the Islanders have the second worst Corsi four percentage. If I'm using Corsica as like adjustment, the Islanders are at 43.29%, which is really bad. The only team that's worse is Anaheim, which is Randy Carlisle, you know, version 2.0. Um, and then by expected goals, they are also second worst in the league. Again, only ahead of Anaheim at 43.64. I don't think the Devils, even at the beginning of last year, were anywhere near that bad. Like, I think they were around, like, the 47, 48% range. Yeah. Like, the Islanders are getting butchered from a puck possession and, and play driving standpoint. And I just don't know how they can keep this up unless those numbers take a dramatic turn for the better. Because that's my, like... They're getting some decent goaltending from from Lehner and Grice, and neither of those guys, again, are awesome, but they're decent enough tandem goalies. Maybe they're just in a good tandem with each other. And, uh, like, while, yes, losing Tavares is huge, it's hard to recover from losing a superstar, it's not like they didn't have other good players. I I just refuse to live in a world where a team that brings in Val Philpola and Uncle Leo... And Matt Martin is somehow rewarded with a good record. I just, I'm not living in that world. So Val Philpola is scoring on 41.7% of his shots so far. That seems sustainable. He's played, <laughs> he's played in 14 games. He's taken 12 shots on goal in those 14 games, and he's scored on five of them. I can't believe he was Sniper. anywhere near the offensive zone to fucking right. take 12 shots. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. It's like, November, what? and he's shooting 41%, and Did he's he a have forward. six goals last year for the Flyers? I have to yeah, look this he, up now. He, he had I 11. Feel high. Oh. He had 11. <laughs> so he had he had 70 shots, shots on goal in 81 games. Okay. And he scored an 11. So he does shoot at a higher percent than most, probably because he passes so damn much that the only time he does shoot is when there's a wide-open net. Yeah. But, like, even for him, 42% is, is utterly ridiculous. I, I just... Uh... I don't expect them to be good, but I don't know. I, I'm happy that the players who are still there, like, care. It's not like Ottawa where they're just fucking talking shit on the coach and cabs and shit. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I would like to see the Islanders get back to relevancy just because I personally like when, like, a storied franchise is actually relevant yeah. to the hockey conversation. However, not under these circumstances. Because number one, Lou, fuck him. Number two, <laughs> the additions that they made this offseason should not be rewarded by the no. hockey gods with success because it's they weren't good. No, and really, the number one reason I want them to be good, Charlie, is so we get all the people come out of the woodwork who are like, oh, yeah, these advanced stats really showing you, huh? <laughs> oh, God. I can't wait. I, mean, I can't. The only reason why I don't worry about that, and, like, yeah, there would, there would be people like that, but the last team that inspired all of those types of things was the Patrick Waugh avalanche, and we saw what happened to them. Yeah. Like, Not good. That, would, that was the year where I was like, yeah, look at these advanced stats. Like, the avalanche always get, always lose a shot attempts battle, and they they won their division. Look how dumb these people yeah, are. That's... And then within two years, Patrick Waugh was quitting yeah. two weeks before the season started. That team, they actually sustained it for the whole year, yeah. and then they, then they went to shit. And then it was a total disaster. And then uh, I was going to say that Toronto team a couple years back, that for like two or three months, yeah, it was like, was oh, Carlisle. wow, look that at what Carlisle. they're doing. Yeah. Eye test, baby. And then... Yeah, no. But then they lost, like, the entire month of February, yeah, I think. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they went on strike for a month. Uh, is that it, guys? Is that all we got? Yeah, I think be. we did good work here. All right, that As is usual. All, 
That is all the time we have for you on Ice Sport Radio tonight. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you don't, well, it's not Patreon anymore. You didn't subscribe, but subscribe to the podcast feed. iTunes or Google Play or we're on Spotify. That shit's cool. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe. Give us five-star reviews, and we will love you. We will love you a lot for it. Um, yeah, that's it. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly.